morning from Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was, a, it was wakened by the flesh. God did not send his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fu- fully met in us. <clears throat> who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even... Then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Amen. Thank you for sharing the word with us today, Robin. If you were asked and you had to share with someone, you know, somebody here at church or someone in your family or someone at the work, um, would you be able to share with them someone that you know that is filled with the Holy Spirit? Someone where the Holy Spirit just bubbles and flows out of them. have the opportunity to see different individuals and be in different churches over the years. And in that first appointment, as Angie had up on the slide last week, uh, yeah, I was going to bring it to your attention. I induced her and everybody started clapping for her getting up to do the message last week. Nobody's been clapping for me. <laughs> what is with that? And then the graduates get hugs, but I was right here. I didn't get no hug either. So I don't know what's going on here. But in that first appointment, as Angie had had a picture up there, there in Bloomville, Bloomville United Methodist Church at that time, uh, there's a lady, Sarah Pernard, been in that Bloomville her whole life, her and her husband, they owned and operated the grocery store for many years and you know, just uh, helped the people of that community in several ways and to the Gideons and doing just all types of ministry and being so faithful. And, and she was just one of those uh, ladies in the church that she automatically becomes your grandma 
and the kids should be handling kids like great grandma, and she was just that one. No matter what you did, you was not going to avoid her. She's going to hunt you down. She's going to give you the big hug, and she's going to give you that big kiss on the cheek. That's just the type of lady she was. And getting to visit with her and talk with her, just um, you would not believe the number of books that she had and how much she read about the Holy Spirit, about God's Word, and, and all these authors, and all, that, all those people. It was long before me, so I've never heard, heard of any, many of those, these people and these books and these things. And, and so she just continued to fill the boxes and continue to hand them off. Here's now a box of books. And, and what's been neat about her books is she was also a magnificent artist. And she'd draw and color pictures just to perfection. And she would do that within her books. Draw pictures and you name it, she drew it and colored it. And then in her books she'd have notes and just inspiration things that she'd underline and talk about, those type of things. And it was a real blessing as a, a, new, as a new clergy, uh, becoming a pastor, meeting those type of spiritual leaders in your life to hand you off things, to give you encouragement, to hand you those notes and just love you in a lavish way. And all these things she knew is that God had called me to ministry. She really didn't know me other than that, except I'd been appointed to be the pastor of that church. And because of that, she loved me and my family. She didn't need to know anything else. And as she continued to love on us and share with us, it was just unbelievable to be embraced in that way. Friday had the opportunity to represent the Fairless Clergy Association and once again uh, give the little message for the baccalaureate uh, service for the second year in a row. And you, you know Ruthie Myers, right? Ruthie Myers, she's been a uh, pianoist and helping with the music there at Fairless for 28 years. Some of you went to her for piano lessons and of course when COVID hit, uh, cancer also hit her, her body and she still wears the, the face mask when she goes out and uh, there her whole time at school and she just felt it, she was you know going back into the giving piano lessons music lessons just uh, God did not call her back into doing that but as she shared she was another one of those ladies just on Friday filled with the Holy Spirit and She's walking away from me and telling me about how much God has done for her and all of these things. And if, uh, if I ever want to hear more, to get with her. But through cancer and these last few years, she just said, it's just the Lord. The Lord constantly doing so many things and opening up one, one direction after another direction that she needed for dealing with this cancer. And she's like, I could just tell you testimony after testimony after testimony. You don't, even as pastor, I don't run into many people like that that are just overflowing. I could just say, oh, I could tell you a whole list of testimony of what the Lord and the, the Holy Spirit has done for me over the last two or three years. What a blessing. 
And I pray that would be a desire for all of us in the church to have that type of excitement, to have that just bubbliness of the Holy Spirit coming out of us. 24-7. Not just on Sundays, but between Sundays. Not just going to some graduation baccalaureate service, but just showing up to the daily grind to clock in and put another day in at work. Apostle Paul here, he's, he's working up and he's trying to help us understand the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of Jesus Christ. But also help us understand that the world, the things of the world, the intangible things like guilt, sorrow, blaming others, making excuses, those things can so easily become the norm. They be, can come the, to the forefront. They can overshadow anything positive that really is going on if we allow this to be the number one focus of our lives. Instead of lavishing love on one another and lifting one another up in prayer, we find ourselves lashing out at others. We find ourselves with that short fuse. We find ourselves pointing at everyone else who's making mistakes and doing things wrong. We have something going on within us that is not of the Lord. Some type of guilt. And we need to get a handle on it if that's where we find ourselves. Understanding our guilt is a fine line. You know, there's this denial of the guilt. Or maybe we find ourselves in a constant feeling guilty and sorry for ourselves. Whichever spectrum you may find yourself on in this denial that you're never wrong, it's always the other guy, or that you're taking it all upon yourself, we must shake it off. Did you ever read about or hear about the, the story behind Velcro? Well, Velcro, how it came about and came along. Well, it was on a bird hunting expedition. A guy by the name of George D. Mestral. He noticed as these burdocks clung to his hunting clothes and his coats and clothes that he could pull the burdock off. I'm sure many of you have as well. But I'm sure there's some folks that have lived in the city their whole life. They've never seen burdock or had that joy or experience of picking it off and then it still sticks to your hand. You know, or bailing hay, you got gloves and try and get that, and then the burdock's on your glove, and then you can't get it off your gloves, and all these type of things. That burdock just doesn't let go. And this George, as he tried, he could move, remove that burdock off his clothes, but then he could just stick it right back on there, and it stayed, it stayed on. And then it, they took it into the microscope. And they began to look at that burdock under the microscope. And it was just this 
system of hooks. Yes, little, small, naked to the eye hooks that allowed itself to hook onto, you name it, your clothes, the dog, anybody got a shaggy dog that runs through burdock, and then you got these big, massive things that the only way to get it off is to do some, get the scissors, get the shave, get that dog shaved. We've all done some of those things. But this burdock has this system where it just attaches itself. Maybe you're feeling like that guilt. That guilt, no matter what you do, it just continues to attach itself. You want to shake it off. You want to get it behind you. But no matter how hard you shake, it's still there. No matter how hard you shake your body and, and get your heart shook up and maybe you're just pouring yourself into God's Word, but then all of a sudden, at the end of the day, it's still there. You know, when children play, they run, they fall, someone gets hurt, and the parents yell, or the coach yells, come on, get up, shake it off. Shake it off, walk it off, you can do this. You're not bleeding, it's not that bad. And it's not just kids or children. Do you watch the NBA playoffs lately? I, I watched a lot growing up, you know, in my teenage years, and really just watched less and less, and really haven't watched much over, say, the past five, ten years. But I've been watching a lot over the last two weeks and been amazed by how the game has changed. You know, when I say when I watched back with, you know, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and into the Michael Jordan years, but now all different players and comparison, who's the best, you know, the GOAT, greatest of all time. But just been amazed by the number of three-point shots. The three-point shot has become the norm and almost the go-to. They pass the ball around. Uh, forget, I'm this close to the basket. Let's throw it out to that guy in the corner. It's wide open to get three. And it just has really changed the game since I watched back with the Lakers and the Celtics always in the playoffs. You know, remember those glory days? The game has changed so much. And no way would I want to be a, a, a referee during the game. You know, when, how do you decide when you blow the whistle what's a foul and what's a foul? It's, you know, it, it's even hard to tell as I've been watching for a couple weeks now more and more. I wouldn't want that job. But those big guys, they jump, they fall down, they twist their ankles... They're hitting the floor and they're mad about this and that. And over there's the coach telling them, come on, get up, walk it off, shake it off, time out. You sat on the bench, somebody else run in. You, you need to cool down. Sounds like our life, doesn't it? Our daily lives, the daily grind. It sounds good, doesn't it? Get up, shake it off. But is it realistic? Is it realistic in a broken world? The world wants us to think it is. But the Lord, the Apostle Paul, he, he wants us to realize that the realistic way for us to get up and shake it off and stay the course.
is to be in step with the Holy Spirit. For us to be in step with the Lord. Not for us saying, Lord, you come and get in step with me and go my way as I go my direction. But for us to get in step with the Lord, our Lord and Savior. As we look at Romans chapter 8, we, we know, if you study Paul at all, you know that he had huge physical and emotional struggles. He had his spiritual struggles. He had his own anguish and he had his own guilt that he wrestled with and had to deal with in his own spiritual walk. As he says in verse 8, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So there is an element that there's these moments, it, it is right, that we should feel some guilt, that we should realize we do not please God all the time. And all the time, we're not going to please God. So we should have some reverence there that we are guilty of things. We are guilty in the eyes of God. Paul isn't trying to put us on a guilt trip. He's not trying to belittle us. He's not trying to do that whack-a-mole, oh, and you pop your head up, I'm going to knock you back down with that hammer. But he's trying to encourage us to get in step with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want us to be self-satisfied that, oh, I got this, I'm good. He doesn't want us to be in some smug relationship with God that we are better than any other person that lives, breathes, or walks on earth. He wants us just to realize our own situation as a human being that there is guilt. And he wants us to be rescued. He wants you to be rescued from that guilt and not to be consumed by it. He wants you to live in peace he doesn't want you to go around covered in that burdock. That burdock that continues to cling to you no matter even if when you try to shake it off. He doesn't want you to be covered in burdock. That burdock is so... It's not attractive, is it? It's not attractive. It's not... It's not purdy. It really doesn't make that good of a centerpiece on your kitchen table. But we, as a church, as Christians, the Lord wants us to be attractive through Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Verse 9 says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. Yes, we can be controlled by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. These people I've told you about, this Sarah Pinard just oozing of the Holy Spirit, this Ruthie Myers just having this testimony, unending testimony that she's wanting to talk about as she needs to get going, do, check on some other things to get ready for the service. She's, she's just walking and talking about the, the Holy Spirit at work and the healing and all that God's done in her life. You know people like that? The Spirit of God living in us. So we have to wonder, there is the opposite of that. The opposite of 
the Spirit of God not living in us. And we see that in our world, don't we? We see a world without the Spirit of God. But we are set apart, aren't we? We know, we have heard the Word, we have been instructed, we have been in church. We know that we must be in the Word. We know that we must have the Holy Spirit. We know that the Lord wants us to be a lovely church and for the world to know that we are Christians by our love. We mentioned in the Sunday school, not just loving on our neighbors, say, hey, come over here, bud. But the neighbor over there seeing us as a church, hey, this is my church family. These are my brothers and sisters. This is how we love on each other. We don't agree on everything. We don't all do the same thing. We all share the load together. God working through Christ because of Christ that sin in us is removed. Christ removes this sin. Whatever it may be. And as we think about this, it's no wonder our world, our country, is in a state of mental health issues, a mental health crisis. And May is Mental Health Month. And as we think about this, sin is not healthy for anyone. Sin is not healthy for anyone. As I get to know parishioners and get to know people in the community, have the opportunity to visit with individuals, eight times out of ten, the number one thing that I hear, eight out of ten, people are frustrated. Eight out of ten. 80%, can you imagine that? 80% of the people, just frustration in their life. You name it. Frustration affects everyone, and it's everywhere. Unhealthy bodies, trying to raise children that won't listen, relationship problems in the home, on the job site, Employers, employees, personal struggles, personal struggles, disappointments, way we look, weight issues, disorders, depression. We live in a world where the mental health issue is real and needs attention. As individuals and as a church, we easily say, hand it over to Christ. Hand it over, hand it over, hand it over. And we must. And you may have to do it many times on each and every day. But the good news is, Paul is trying to say, there is a Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And when the Lord fills you, When you're filled with the Lord, 
Jesus wants to disarm that guilt. He wants to disarm whatever's weighing you down. He wants to disarm that discouragement and that frustration, whatever that trap may be. He's going to disarm that trap, take away that bondage. He wants to give you that new life, a new life. He wants to set you free from that condemnation. So here we, where we, this is where we are. Yes, we can be rescued. Yes, Jesus sets us free. Yes, that bondage may be taken away. Yes, we're freed from that condemnation. But yet, in our humanness, we're still weak. We are still weak. It's not like we get set free and then we run off on our own. We try, we, we experiment, we do those things. But the older I get, the more I see it, the more and more dependent I am on Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Kind of shakes your personal confidence a little bit. But the more and more I read Scripture, that's where we need to be. Less about our own confidence in who we are and more about, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you this. I need you for this. I need you for that. I need you for you name. I need you for everything. And as a church, we need to get to that understanding as well as a body of Christ. We're not going to continue to accomplish things until we fully say 100%, Lord, we need you. And I pray that we're getting there. I pray that the Holy Spirit will continue that great and mighty and holy work within each of us as the body of Christ. And it does get us back to that verse 6 where Paul says, he reminds us, and we need this reminder to set, to set our mind on the flesh as death. To set the mind on another man, to set the mind on each other. The flesh is more than just bodily desires. Set our mind on the flesh can be things like greed, revenge, mean tricks, evil intent, backstabbing, gossip, murmuring. And that's just a few. So whatever these things, whatever it is in your life that's going on, I'm here today to back up the Apostle Paul and to encourage you by saying, set your mind on the Spirit and let God have total control. Let God nurture you in His grace, in His love, His strength, the joy of the Lord, so that we can have life abundantly now. Let us pray together. Oh, Holy Spirit, as you continue to move and work amongst us, as you move and work within us, enable us and guide us so that we can and that we will and that we would be a church that lives life abundantly in the name of Jesus Christ. That we would not define ourselves by what the world does, 
or what the world would say about us. That we would not let the economic situation of our country propel us into thoughts of either how stable it is or the worry about how unstable it may be. But Lord, may we remember that through Christ, as Christians, as the body and hands and feet of our Lord and Savior, that we can move forward with the leading of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the holy work that the Holy Spirit would have us do. So Lord, thank you for being so merciful, but yet you also expect and demand so much out of us to be your holy church on earth. So Lord, the things that are before us, we ask for the Holy Spirit to lead us and strengthen us and empower us to be one in the Spirit and to be one in ministry to each other and to all the world now and forever. We thank you, Jesus, and we give you the glory. Glory be to God, and in his name I pray. Amen. Church.